0: Well, that's the preview. You guys ready? So hello, my name is uh, Jeremiah Brinkman, and uh, I serve in New York City um, as your missionary uh, with the North American Mission Board. And uh, I have the privilege to work with church planters there, helping them as they plant uh, new churches across the boroughs of Queens and Manhattan and a little bit of Brooklyn. And uh, there's something people love about getting to taste a slice of Junior's Cheesecake, Or a slice of pizza while strolling amongst the hustle and the bustle of the people dwarfed by skyscrapers in New York City. Or possibly getting to escape for a breath of fresh air in Central Park. Or to ride the Staten Island Ferry Ferry and getting the wind in your hair and looking over to the right and sitting in a free view of the Statue of Liberty. But in all these infatuations with the shows, the sights, the smells, the flavors, it is easy to miss the millions and millions of people who live and work in the city who don't know Jesus. So my focus in New York City is aimed at helping our church planters in the city as they engage and reach these people. And so you guys, thankfully, are a team player in that, and I get to work with you. And so thank you for that opportunity, um, because uh, part of the support that you guys give as your church uh, goes to help support the North American Mission Board and that's what enables me and my family to be there to do what we do. And so uh, I haven't always been in New York City. Um, for the last four years, I live just an hour north of here in Port Henry, New York, and, uh, and helped plant two churches up there. And uh, it's been an honor to serve the Lord here in New York. And uh, so this is sort of like a homecoming. I was glad to come back and hang out in Glens Falls and, and, uh, and a little bit of Lake George today and go hiking. I missed that, you guys. So thank you. It's been fun. You know, I appreciate that. And so... But you guys, I, uh, the thing I really want you to hear and see from me this evening is I want you to see what would God do with you. And, uh, and I want to tell you a little snippet of my story because uh, I'm just a regular guy. And, uh, and, and I think a lot of times when we look at ourselves, we say, we ask ourselves, what, what could God do with me? And so sometimes we look at our past and we say, I've done all this stuff. Or we look at, uh, or, or we look at how we're wired, or how we're skilled, or like, what is God going to do with this? And so I want to tell you a little short story about my experience when I was in Bible college. Uh, ironically, Chris Collins was in the same uh, Bible college, and Patty and my wife Becca, and so we got to play soccer together and hang out. And so, but uh, I'll never forget walking out of the library, and. Um, and I was—I uh, looked across the street, and I'd probably woken up from studying or something in the library. And, uh, and uh, so I was getting ready to walk across the street, and, and I lived like literally across the street for a little while. We rented a house right there. And uh, um, there was a trash truck right there, and the guys were getting the trash. It was sort of a hot day. And I thought, man, thank you, Lord. It could be worse. Here I am in Bible college. It could be worse getting ready to do ministry or whatever, and uh could be picking up trash. And so I didn't think much of it outside of that one thought that was in my head and I walked out you know, a little extra wide around the truck and I didn't want to get too close. And um, I did that and uh, the guy handed me a track. And God rocked my world. Because for the first time in my life, God said, Jeremiah, I don't need you to serve me. I need you to be obedient to what I've called you to do no matter what that is. And so that really rocked my world because... I had gone to school to be a missionary pilot, and God had sort of already moved that from me. And I had laid that down. And now I, had to, I was going to school with the Greek Bible and in uh, counseling, and, uh, but I thought, you know, I'm still gonna go serve God and I'm gonna do these things. And God was just humbling me and reminding me that he didn't need Jeremiah Brinkman for anything. But he was willing to use me if I was willing to be faithful to him. And my story of faith began when I was a kid. Uh, my grandmother uh, was a believer, and, uh, and I, I, she told me recently that her mother was a believer. And so, uh, and as far as I know, that means that I'm the fourth generation, at least, of Christian. That's crazy. That's an amazing blessing. And I remember going to her good news clubs, and that's where I learned about Jesus. That's how I learned to have a real walk and relationship with him. And my mom and dad took me to church. But, but I didn't come from a family of, like, missionaries. My dad's not a pastor. My dad works for the power company. My mom runs a cleaning business, cleaning houses. Uh, so we're just normal people. But we're on this mission with God. And so God is, was preparing me and getting me ready. And I committed my life to Christ when I was young. I was four years old when I committed my life to Christ. I'll never forget it. I was driving down the road with my aunt, going to visit my uncle's pig farm up in upstate Ohio. Um, and so uh, that, that's, that's my story. I remember it very clearly. And it wasn't until I was 18 years old that I committed my life to missions. And I was at a conference in North, in North Georgia, because we had moved later. Uh, we, I was at a conference in North or actually not in North Georgia, it was actually in Middle Georgia, um, at a camp called Rock Eagle. It was like a Boy Scout camp. And, uh, and I was there for a conference called GO Conference. And Becca was asking, my wife was asking, me, she says, What is GO Stanford? like, I don't know, I don't remember. Um, all I know is it's called a GO Conference. And, um, and I remember that day writing this in my Bible I said, All that I have and all that I am, I give the Lord. The Lord for his service. I had no idea what that meant when I wrote that down. I had no no idea what that meant. And at the same time, the Lord gave me this verse for my life, and it was Luke 10 26. and, And it says, What is written in the law? He asked him, How do you read it? And he answered, Love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And you guys, if I, this regular guy, could just live up to that loving God of my mind heart and soul and loving others the same way see it's easy for me to love Jeremiah but it's hard for me to love other people that same way sometimes because it just is I have to actually work at this and so God used that and began propelling me forward and so it uh, wasn't long after that, that that's when we actually went to Bible college. And then the journey keeps going. And uh, we went to China as a missionary later after going to about five or six other places of the world. And my family, we were in China for a couple years with the international mission board came home and then God uh, brought us to New York of all places. Can you imagine? And so, um, and so I always tell people, God sent me to China to get me ready for New York and God sent me to the upstate to get me down, ready for the net downstate. So that's just how it is. And that's where it is. But in my past, God has just had us on this journey, and the journey has been just following the Lord and doing what He's asked us to do. And so if you're taking notes tonight, um, it's got a funny title tonight, In God's Plan, and it says, insert name here. The question is, are you going to put your name there? And that's the question. Are you going to put your name there? Because hopefully what it says is, for me, Jeremiah Brinkman, In God's Plan. Jeremiah Brinkman, in God's plan. And so I want you to be able to say is, this is my name, I'm putting it here, and I want to be in God's plan. In Ezekiel 22, 30, it said, I searched for a man among them who would repair the wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land so I might not destroy it, but I found no one. And so God didn't have the man yet for the job and for the call. But the thing we see before that and early on in scriptures, we see this with the story of Abram. And I, I love this story And so in in because we look at the story of Abram. It says, the Lord said to Abram, go out from your land and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be blessed. And you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the people on the earth will be blessed through you. And it says that Abram went. It doesn't say that he questioned. It doesn't say that he, he got his affairs in order. It doesn't say, and, and here's the thing, you guys, it's crazy. He didn't know where he was going. He didn't know how to get there. He didn't have a map, but he still went. And it was an unwavering faith that he went for, forward in. And so we need to answer some questions tonight as we look at, what does it look like to live like that? What does it look like to have a story that says, my name in God's plan. And so uh, I, there's a quote here I saw by uh, Dr. Uh, Alexander uh, Granados. And he said, there's never unemployment in Christianity. There's only laborers that don't show up for work. We all have work to do. And I pray that we will always show up to work. And I thought about what he said and I thought, man, that's so true. We, we know what the work is to do. The question is, do we show up to work? I mean, thank the Lord he's gracious, right? Because if I didn't show up to work, I'd get fired. And so would you. But thank the Lord that he's really long-suffering, forgiving, gracious, even when we don't deserve it, right? So, okay, here we go. Let's keep going. All right. So if you're taking notes here, what is church planting? And, I, and I'm adding something to this tonight. It's not in your notes. Sorry, Chris. I messed you up on this. Um, but, uh, and what is missions about? And if you're filling blanks here, it is the kingdom-minded growth of the family of God through the church. It's the kingdom-minded growth of the family of God through the church. Essentially, it can be summed up as kingdom multiplication. Okay? Kingdom multiplication. So just hang on to that, put it up there, and then we'll keep going, and you're going to get the details. Okay? I'm not going to explain it yet. All right, here we go. So to figure this out, to understand what that means, we really need to go back and look at Scripture to see that. So we must first look at the plan of Jesus. Jesus was given the the keys to the kingdom, and Jesus represents the household of God. And we see that here in Luke 3, 21 through 22. And so here, Jesus has just finished His time uh, in the desert. And now He's going to to, uh, come into this time, He goes through this time of testing. And after He goes through that time of testing sort of the next thing that happens here in Scripture is we see that Jesus is going to be baptized. And John the Baptist gets to baptize Jesus. That'd be pretty cool, right? I mean, I think that'd be pretty cool. Um, so, uh, so, when all the people were baptized, it says in verse 21, Jesus was also baptized, and as he was praying, the heavens opened. Okay? Has that ever happened to any of you? Okay, it didn't happen for me either. And mine was outside, you guys, in a swimming pool. <laughs> but, it didn't happen. Alright, so I was, I was 12, I remember. So, um, And in verse 22, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in a physical appearance. I know that didn't happen to me. And an appearance like a dove. And a voice came from heaven You are my beloved Son, and I take delight in you. This is my Son, whom I am well pleased with. God has just identified Jesus as his Son. He has said, This is my Son. This is the head. This is my way. And this is how I'm going to accomplish my plan through my son. And his name is Jesus. That's what he's saying here. And so God sent his son, Jesus, to begin establishing the church and identified him as the head at this point on earth of the family that's going to be established, which is going to become the church. That's this people. That's the people He's going to gather. And so the next thing we see in John 3.16, For God so loved the world, in 17, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. God's plan was to use His Son as the sacrifice, sacrifice for all of mankind, for all of time, so that they could be in relationship with God. And so Jesus bridges that chasm of sin that separates us from God through his death, burial, and resurrection. And so that's incredible. And so then we get to see next this this I what so first God identifies his son. We sort of see the picture of what God is doing here in, in John 316 and 17. And then we're going to see what Jesus begins to do with, with this plan. What is God going to do? So here we go, Matthew 4, Matthew 4. Jesus begins to train up these disciples. So Matthew 4, 18 through 22. Now as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Regular guys. These are regular guys. And he said to them, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Immediately, does this sound familiar? Abram, here we go, These guys immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee and John, his brother. And the boat was uh, with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called to them immediately. They left the boat and their father and followed him. They left their boat, which means they left their livelihood, everything they knew. They left their father, which means their inheritance and the future of any income that they might have catching fish. So, To follow Jesus. Francis Chan says it like this He says, The job description of a disciple maker is the same as that of a disciple of Jesus Christ. It requires everything. It means following Jesus in every aspect of your life, pursuing him with a wholehearted devotion. It is a radical abandonment of all that we hold dear for the sake of the gospel being proclaimed to all people. It is a radical abandonment of all that we hold dear. For the sake of the gospel being proclaimed to all people. And so it has nothing to do with me. And it has really nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with God and his mission and what he's trying to do. Now, what's cool, though, is that God allows us to be a part of his mission, right? And he chooses to allow us to be a part of it. But we have to be willing servants. And we'll get to that in a little bit. But I want you to see this. But these men that were seeing, the disciples, are willing servants following Jesus. So let's move down to Luke 9.1. And he called the twelve together, now we've got a few more. And he gave them the power and authority over all the demons to heal diseases. And he said to them, he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to perform healing. And he said to them, take nothing on your journey. Neither a staff, nor a bag, nor bread, nor money. Do not even take, don't, don't even have two tunics. I mean, i not take a change of clothes. And then whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that city. And as for those who do not receive you, as you go out from that city, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. And there, verse 6, departing, they began going throughout the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Go out. And proclaim the kingdom. God the Father sent his son, Jesus. He said, here's my son, who I'm well pleased. He's going to establish the kingdom. He starts doing that. He starts gathering these disciples. He starts discipling them. And then he begins sending them back out to proclaim that the Messiah is here. And this is the way to God. This is the way, the only way through Jesus. That's the plan. Mark eight thirty four 34-36. And he summoned the crowd of, with his disciples and said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. For whoever loses his life for my sake of the gospel will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but to lose his soul? And so, last I checked you guys, did we get to take any of our material stuff with us anyways? I mean, do you guys know dead people? I do. Well, I did. Do I still know them? I don't know exactly. Great. So anyways, um, so what did they take with them? Nothing, right? And so even if we buried them with stuff, it, well, that was a waste. We could have done something with that stuff, right? I mean, why did we do that? Now people go out and dig it up, you know, so, or go find it in the ocean or whatever. There's shows about that. There's whole shows on Discovery Channel about this, you know? Okay, so, all right. But what's the point? Why are we accumulating all this, Right? Is it going to take us anywhere? So we sort of, that's why I like that video. It sort of brings some things into perspective really quickly. It's like, what are, what are we doing? What are we doing? Jeff, Jeff Christofferson said this. He said, the local body of Christ is a tool to advance the kingdom of God, not the goal of the kingdom of God. The local body of Christ is a tool to advance the kingdom of God, not the goal of the kingdom of God. So Christians are not called to just come to church and sit they're not called to, well, I got my one salvation share this week. I think we're pretty good. I'll get another one next month. And time goes by. And what do we do? What are we doing? So often what we do is we, we'll, we'll lead someone to Christ. We'll bring them to church or, or, or just bring them to church. We won't try to lead them to Christ. Say, Pastor Robbie or t- somebody else will get that done for me. We won't open our mouth. And, 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 and so I'm not saying don't bring people to church. Please do that. Um, but what I am saying is that we have an obligation to be a part of the mission. Okay? And so, and, and, and so as we do that, what, but what we don't want to be doing is coming here, filling the seats, giving our money, and saying, I've checked off my church box, and I'm good. Because there couldn't be anything further from the truth, you guys. Because the reality is, that's not what we're here to do. And so, if you're on the team, that means you want to be playing ball. And you don't want to be sitting on the bench. And so, be careful that you don't get complacent and ride the pine. Because that's not what God called you to. Instead, we'll be driven to live on the front lines of ministry. And called to be kingdom builders. Not seeking the glory for ourselves, but solely for Jesus as we serve him wholeheartedly and sacrificially for the sake of the gospel. And so let's look at an early example from the early church here, Acts 2:44. And all those who had believed were there together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing there and with all, as anyone might have need, and day by day, continuing in one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who are being saved. Can you imagine day by day, by day, by day, by day, by day, by day? Can you imagine what this church would look like, what this community would look like, what our country would look like, what the world would look like that 's what we 're supposed to be called to do. God inspired us to begin with this picture in our hearts, a growing group of friends giving ourselves away to build the kingdom of God. That's the example that we've been given. In Mark 12, 29, Jesus answers, he says, he says And you shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love God first in all aspects of your life. That means all your thoughts. That means all your motives, and that means all your actions. Thoughts, motives, actions. Mind, heart, and strength. And then go do that to your neighbor. You guys, that's, that's tough. That's really tough. But Francis Chan says two statements like this. He says, if you're not willing to make loving God and loving people your highest th- priority, then stop. Right? Because if you can't love God, you're going to have a hard time loving people. And you're just going to be a bad example. So please love God. And please love others the same way. And there's that little acronym, I think uh, my mom taught it when I was a kid. Joy, Jesus, others, than you. I haven't forgotten that. I think I learned it when I was like five. You know, Jesus, others, than you. Are you doing the Jesus, others, than you thing? <sighs> no, you know. I'm the oldest of four boys. I didn't want to do that. So... I don't want to put the brothers first. I want to be first, you know. Okay, I can put Jesus first, I think, you know. But okay. Ultimately, it's about being faithful to God's call to love the people around you. It's about loving those people enough to help them see their need to love and obey God. It's about bringing them to the Savior and allowing Him to set them free from the power of sin and death and transform them into loving followers of Jesus Christ. It's about being faithful to God's call. To love him and to love others. That's ultimately what it's about. And the question is posed this way. How much do you care about the people around you? That's really it, right? Do you actually care about these people? Do you care about your neighbors? Do you care about the cashier at the store? Do you care about the gas station attendant? Do you care about your your co-workers? Do you care about your family members? Do you care? And do you feel that burden of lostness with no hope? These people have no hope without Jesus because they are on a destined path for destruction and eternal, eternal destruction, eternal damnation. But you, if you know Jesus, are not on that path. And so that means you've got work to do to make sure that you love others and you love God and and demonstrate that. All right, so we have got to keep moving. You guys ready? Why do we church plant and do missions? Why do we do that? Because it's God's missional plan. It's God's missional plan. Jesus gave the kingdom responsibility over. He's handing us the keys. Because when he ascended back into the heavens, he gave that commission to us and to the disciples at the time to continue the mission forward. And so we must look at Jesus' model and now try to figure out for ourselves, how do we follow that plan? And so let's look at a couple of things real quick and see what Jesus told us a little bit while he was still here. Matthew 5. Matthew 5. Um, I'm going to start in verse 1. I think we have it in 3, but I'm going to start in verse 1. one that, this is uh, Jesus talking here. Well, not quite in the beginning here, but here we go. So when Jesus saw the crowds, he went upon the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began teaching them, saying, one, the first part here, verse three, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There's that kingdom idea again. Verse four, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed, verse five, blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything, except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. If we want to proclaim the kingdom, there's a great example here of what that might look like. Of how we live our life in in the way that God would have us to live it. The poor in spirit, the gentle, the one who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's who God's looking for, these kind of people. These, this is how we pattern our lives after Jesus. That's how we do that. Because we're supposed to be a little salty. People are, you know, when you put salt on food, usually it tastes better. Usually, unless there's too much. But usually it tastes better. What else can salt do? It preserves, right? And so it's a good thing. But if salt is tasteless, then it's probably not effective at all. And so that goes back to the idea of being benched, you guys. That's the idea of being benched. You're the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. So that means your light needs to shine bright is what that means. Matthew 28, this is the commission that Jesus gave us right before he ascends into heaven. And Jesus, uh, Matthew twenty eighteen. And Jesus came and said to them, "All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, to the end of the age." God alone holds claim to the turf of His kingdom. He's not looking for sides to join. He is seeking people who will lay aside every other allegiance and unite with him. That's what God's looking for. He's looking for you to be on his team, to be actively a part of that. And so why do we church plant your second thing here? It's because it's God's plan. It's his missional plan to reach the world. So we are following Jesus, who is our leader who God established to do that, we're following His example with our lives to do that. And so, the question sometimes we're like, "Well, man, being a missionary or being a church planter—I mean, I love what these guys are doing, but I don't think I could do that." Yeah, you're probably right. You probably can't. Not without Him. Remember, it's not about you. It's about what is God going to do with you? Because last I checked, isn't He in charge? I mean, if he wants to wipe me off the planet right this second and leave a greasy spot on the stage, he can do that. Because he holds all of it in his hands. Because he's the creator, he's all powerful. He is the God. Not a God, but the God. He is the I am. And so sometimes we ask ourselves, what can we do? Well, there's four things that you can do real easy. You can fill them in here. Four things. One, you can pray. Prayer is powerful. And so think about what prayer is, you guys. When we pray, what are we doing? We are tapping in to the Almighty God and asking Him to intervene into the situation that we're currently in or that currently know about and telling, asking Him to do what only He could do to begin with. Alright, that's pretty powerful, last I checked. So that, that that's really good. So prayer. So that's an easy way to be a part of a missional plan or like a church planting plan, or anything like that. So I would highly encourage you, please pray. Okay, so I'm going to give you some incentive here, okay? If you will commit to pray for any of our people here, and specifically New Yorkers, um, no, I'm just kidding, any of our people here, there's a prize on the table. All I want you to do is write your name down and say you're going to pray. We're not going to contact you. We're not going to harass you. But we're going to give you a gift back. But I want you to commit to do something. And I'm going to give you something to do it. And that way, every time you drink out the water bottle in there and you see that logo, you're like, okay, I'm supposed to be praying. Every time you charge your battery with the the little battery pack thing that's for your phone, you know, whatever you call that thing, um, uh, you're going to think to pray. And whenever you use whatever else in that bag, you're hopefully will think to pray. And that's incentive. Okay. So there's your incentive right there. Okay. You can participate. That's the second P. You can participate. How do you participate, you might say. Okay, so let me think of it this way. All right, so let's say Justin is planting a church. He's wicked busy, and he's got way too much on his plate. He's running all the time, and what he needs is a break. Do you know how nice it is sometimes to get a card from somebody that's handwritten, or maybe even an email, uh, and someone says, hey, you know what, I was praying for you today. Oh, and by the way, I care about what you're doing. Here's a gift card for you and your wife to go take a date. Or I tell you what, you guys aren't that far from you. We'll come down and watch your kids so you can go on a date. That's participating, you guys. It's the simple thing sometimes. It doesn't mean that you have to go do it. That means you are a part. And you are a part. Because last I checked, if you're a believer, you're my brother or you're my sister. That makes us family. And that makes Jesus our head, right? And so we get to do this together. That's incredible. Now, the thing that's sort of weird about it is that we don't get to pick our family members. Get over it. We're still called to do it together, okay? The next one is provision, P. The next P is provision. Provision is what? Providing. So providing. And so when Chris was talking about doing the offering and what that means, you guys, that's a big deal. Because how do you think this gets done if we don't fund it? And it does cost money. There is sacrifice involved. I get it. I want you to know I do. I get it. But it takes all of us working together. And when you take all of us and 40-some thousand other churches working together to accomplish God's mission, wow. What can you accomplish with that? With millions of people working together. So do we all have a part? Yeah. What if we all just gave two bucks? What would happen? We could change the world, right? And that's the whole point. We're supposed to be changing the world. By being a planter or a missionary, planter is that next one, planter, that last one's planter. By being a planter or a missionary, here's the thing, you might be sitting in here tonight and you might be saying, hey, I don't think I'm there yet. You know what, There's a day I didn't think I was there either. I'll never forget the first time I was working as an intern in ministry and my boss, uh, who was was the pastor of Lake Placid Baptist Church, said, Jeremiah, I'm going to be out of town in three weeks, it's yours. And I looked at Derek and I said, no, it's not. I said, I'm not doing that. I said, I want to be a missionary pilot. I never said I wanted to be a preacher. And, uh, and, and, and he said, I don't care. I'm going to be out of town and you're doing it. You work for me. And I said, well, I don't want to. And he says, I don't care. Turn your notes in next week. I'm going to help you with it. i was like, man, I didn't sign up for this. I guess I did. I didn't know. Because this is what God's called me to. And so you don't know, you guys, what God is going to call you to. It doesn't matter what your vocation is. Because your vocation as a Christian is to be working for the Lord. All right, who can be a part? Number four, who can be a part? Is that on your thing here? Yeah, who who can be a part? Anyone can be a part. And everyone has a part. Anyone can be a part. And everyone has a part. I'm going to read you an excerpt from a book called Radical, written by David Platt. And here's what it says. He says, God's plan involves sending his servants. So, that is step one in his plan. Very simple. Sending his servants. God's servants are sent to preach the gospel and make every servant of God is intended to go and proclaim the gospel. Step two. This is step two in God's plan. He sends servants. And his servants preach. Step three. When God's servants preach the gospel, people hear. Unless we are preaching to a wall, people will hear us when we preach. So God sends servants, His servants preach, people hear, and when they hear, they have the opportunity to believe. It's really complicated, isn't it? No, it's not. It's not complicated at all. And so the church planting and missions is about the kingdom-minded growth of the family of God through His plan. That's what it's about. God's plan to reach the world is through His Son, Jesus. If you want to know Jesus, you want to have a personal relationship with Jesus, you want to know what the church is about, you've got to know Him really important. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would be saved. That's what he did. God has entrusted the gospel to his servants, Jesus followers to reach the world and proclaim the kingdom of God It's here. You guys, we're here to set up his kingdom. This is the idea, right? We're supposed to be spreading the gospel, building the family. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We all have a role through prayer, participation, provision, and going to be a missionary or church planner, possibly. So let's recap this last part. God sends his servants, his servants preach, people hear, hearers believe, believers call on the name of Jesus, and everyone who calls on the name of Jesus is saved. It's not that difficult. But let's look at one last piece, and then I'm done. In that same paragraph of Platt's book, he says this that means that there's only one potential breakdown in this progression. When servants of God do not preach the gospel to all peoples, that's the breakdown. We are the plan of God, and there is no plan B. You are plan A. And so we have a responsibility, you guys, to carry the gospel to the nations. And that means to your neighbor, that means to your family, that means your co-workers, that's what we're supposed to be doing. You can't plant a church without sharing the gospel. You can't do that. I mean, what, what would you be doing? You'd be, you'd be planting a country club. That's not what we're called to do. And so you guys, listen, we all have obligation in that. That's who we are. We, lived in one of, we live in one of the most underreached areas of the nation with the Gospel. So we have an obligation to do this. God has placed you here for this time and for this place. And He hasn't put anyone else here. He put you here. Let's pray. Lord, I thank You so much for Your Word. I thank You so much for the example You've given us through Your Son, through the Scriptures we read about the Apostles, and Lord, through history, as we look at men of God who followed You. And Lord, tonight, as we really look at ourselves and say, can I put my name in that blank? I pray that we count that seriously. Do I really love you with my mind, heart, and soul? Do I love others the way you love them? Lord, I pray that you would just lead us and guide us through this time. Lord, I pray that you convict our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would drive us to your mission. Lord, I pray that you would get all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.